Hello and welcome back to Catching Up on Capitol Hill, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. I'm your host, John Gimigliano. Today, we come back to a topic we've discussed here before. No, we're not returning to Build Back Better, not today anyway. Today, we are tackling the topic of tax extenders. You know, that group of items that expires every year or every other year. I say we return to these because we did an episode on extenders what seems like a lifetime ago back on October 26th of 2020. It was a Halloween special. We called it Night of the Living Tax Extenders. The idea being that these things never truly seem to die. They just keep getting resurrected from the tax grave every few years. Now, I mentioned that episode because if you haven't thought about extenders for a while, for example, how or why this odd on-again, off-again dynamic came to be, well, then go back, listen to that episode, we spent a lot of time trying to answer the question of why Congress seems to love temporary tax policy, even if taxpayers don't. So now, on to today's topic. With Build Back Better stalled, and with the China competition bill in the future and with no certain tax title, it's fair to ask then how Congress might deal with all the expired or expiring tax provisions floating around out there. And that's exactly the question I plan to ask our guests, Jen Acuna and Carol Coolish, today. So, Jen, first question is for you. Just remind us, we've got the topic of extenders and expiring items. What are some of the big items that are already expired that Congress is probably going to want to look at this year? Well, the biggest two, which are the ones that everyone has been talking about since last year. And they were, remember, these extenders were considered something that was projected to pass by the end of last year. They expired, and that is Section 174. That provides for the amortization of research expenditures going from fully expensable to amortized. The next one is 163J. Now, that's that interest limitation. Remember, that had an EBITDA base. Now that goes to EBIT. That is significantly more stringent. And those are the two really big ones. And the one that we've been hearing about again and again and again, 174 is the one that's getting a lot of traction now. And so here's an interesting question. <laughs> Those are expired. I guess they're expired items. Are they, Is it fair to call them extenders yet? Because they've never been extended. This is the first time we've actually dealt with this sunset of these rules. What do you think? Well, extenders are expiring tax provisions. So anything that's temporary, that's a temporary tax measure, can be technically, it qualifies as an extender. So fine. There's an implication that Congress will extend them at some point when, of course, these rules, the reason we have this issue with, as you say, Section 174, 163J, that's exactly how Congress wrote it in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, seemed to want to let them expire, but maybe not so much as you correctly say. We're hearing a lot of interest in those two items in particular in dealing with those. Okay, Carol, now let me come to you. What are some of the major items that are going to expire this year in 2022 or by the end of this year that Congress might want to take a look at? Sure, John. Let me just go back for a second, though, and add something to what Jen was saying, because Jen did highlight the two that I think are getting the most discussion in the business space. But there are some individual tax incentives that expired this last year, and I just want to highlight them because they can have an impact on some of the, the politics of, of tax legislation. And one that I'll just mention is that the refundability and enhancement of the child and dependent care tax credit, that expired, as I think people know, at the end of 2021. And for some Democrats, 
Democrats trying to address the child credit, the, again, the, the fundability and at least the enhancement is something they consider a priority. For 2022, there actually are considerably fewer numbers of provisions that expire or change than was the case at the end of 2021. For 2022, I guess the one I would highlight from a business perspective is that the temporary 100 expensing for certain business assets begins to phase down at the end of 2022. So it begins to phase down in 2023. There's also a few other things, something related to the premium assistance credit, a change in the deductibility of business meals, amounts paid or incurred after the end of 2022 would go back to being subject to 50% disallowance. There's a package of incentives for biodiesel and renewable diesel that expire at the end of 2022, a railroad track maintenance credit provision, and a provision relating to multi-employer plans. The first of all, your point is an absolutely very good one about the child tax credit, right? The expansion of the child credit was made in ARPA, but it expired at the end of last year. And we've got this other big group. Is it fair to call them, Carol, the regular extenders, like the normal group of extenders largely expired at the end of 2021 as well? Is that a fair way to think about it? Yeah, there's a set of stuff that's been on the list for a while that expired at the end of 2021. There also was some stuff that came into being in some of the CARES-related bills and the sort of the notion of whether things were intended to be temporary or it was camel's nose under a tent, we'd like these to be longer term. That's always in the eye of the beholder and different legislators may have different views when they're voting on something on a temporary basis, whether it's something they view as an extender or something that they view as temporary. But yeah, there is a group that's been around for a long time and then we have some newer items. Yeah, so it seems to me the big three are 174, the R&E expensing rule that Jen talked about, 163J, the conversion from EBITDA to EBIT. And then at some point, this bonus depreciation thing, because it's a year behind those other two, I think is going to get in the conversation. It's just a question of, does not expire till the end of this year? So maybe that's why nobody's talking about it quite yet. But I kind of think that that's going to get a look. All right. Jen, let me come back to you then. Okay, so now we've got the expired, the expiring. Now what? Is this something Congress is going to deal with this year? Well, that is an excellent question. It seems like there is a lot of pressure. Even if they are not able to achieve doing something about them this year, there is a big push to do something with respect to 174, that's RNE amortization, and 163J to a lesser degree. And as you said, the expensing phase down kicks in at the end of this year. Since we're already talking about provisions that have already expired, it seems like this is something that Congress is going to tackle further down the road, possibly by the end of the year, is my guess, that these three potentially get lumped together in an extenders package with some of those other provisions that Carol mentioned, you know, some of those energy credits, and potentially during a lame duck bill would be my guess. Okay, Although so. there has been push, you know, we've been hearing there's been push to try to include some of these during more active legislation in the partisan and bipartisan packages that Congress is currently considering. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Okay, so of our possibilities when these could get done, or some of them maybe, you mentioned one there, Jen, the year-end lame duck free-for-all where these things often get done. That's obviously one possibility and just talk to me about that for a second. What does that look like? Do you think that's all the extenders or is that a more select group if that's the way this goes? What, how do you think that might go? 
Well, if it does get pushed to the end of the year, usually when you see a potential change in power, like for instance, if the House were to flip, there's going to be a push by Democrats and by Republicans to try to clear the deck. So to clear the tax policy deck, which means usually extenders for at least a significant amount of time, at least a year. So I would expect that they try to pile in as many of these as possible. The one exception, child tax credit. That's one that is politically a lot more volatile in support. It doesn't have a lot of bipartisan support. It's mostly a Democrat provision, but it does have a little bit of bipartisan support. So query whether or not something like that can make it into a bigger bill that has broader bipartisan support in the end of the year. But usually these things, Congress tries to clear the deck to make sure that we're not dealing with these extenders at the beginning of a new Congress. Okay, so that's one possibility. Carol, let me ask you then, it sounds like if it's a lame duck deal where we're going to deal with these things, it could be the whole group of all the things we've outlined, you know, the traditional extenders, some of the TCJ, it could be a lot of them. Let's come up with a different scenario here. Let's just say, for example, the legislation, formerly known as Build Back Better. What are we calling? I'm calling it Build Back Baby, if, if it kind of gets shrunken down. But could that group of extenders go in that scenario? Or do you think we're talking about a narrower group of these expired or expiring items in that scenario? That begs the question of what happens and when with Build Back Better, or I think you called it Baby Build Back Better. <laughs> you know, obviously right now the prospects of that are highly uncertain, and it's a very challenging bill for the Democrats to try to put together as it is, given the very thin majority in the House and the 50-50 Senate. But assuming that the Build Back Better Act continues to move forward, frankly, I would be surprised to see much in the way of additional extenders being added beyond what already were considered by the House. The House bill, as you know, included things like extensions of the enhancements to the child credit. It dealt with some of the energy credits. It also dealt with the delayed implementation of the changes to the 174 treatment of R&E. But I'd be surprised to see the Democrats add a large list of extenders to a partisan reconciliation bill beyond that for a number of reasons. First of all, it would affect the math of the bill if they expanded the list of incentives they were trying to extend. They may have to jettison or carve back other priorities in order to meet their revenue targets. And it's difficult enough to put this bill together as it is, so that raises additional questions. Plus, whenever you start adding tax provisions, like adding extenders to the bill, you have this whole issue of where do you draw the line? If you start adding additional things, what other extenders want to get added to the train? And the Democrats also are going to be, I think, struggling with the issue of trying to balance what they're doing on the business side with the individual side when it comes to incentives. So all of those things just make it politically more difficult. And quite frankly, if there are things that they can reach bipartisan agreement on, and extending things is usually something that is done on a bipartisan basis, you know, you come up with a package that both parties ultimately jump in, you know, do those separately as a bipartisan package going to, you know, what Jen was suggesting, where both parties work on it together. And then the Democrats don't have to have that affect the math or the politics of their reconciliation bill. So I think the uh, scenario of this being dealt with on a bipartisan basis later in the year is more likely, even if Build Back Better does start to move forward. 
Some of these expiring items are in Build Back Better 174. Some of the like the energy credits that would otherwise expire are being dealt with in there and providing long-term extensions. But I agree with you. A wholesale extenders package seems kind of hard to do and unlikely to do in Build Back Better. I think we're in agreement. So, Jen, let me ask you the last scenario, which is this China competition bill. We did an episode on it the other week, whether it's competes in the House or USICA in the Senate. Is that a vehicle for extenders, extender, or, you know, what group could potentially find their way into that? All of the talk has been that there's a push for inclusion of 174, maybe less of an extender in that context, maybe less of a uh, short-term provision and potential repeal of 174. But it's just really hard. Whenever you open the door to one extender, it opens the floodgates to other A, tax provisions, and B, extenders. And as Carol mentioned, there's a significant number of them. So I think it just becomes a lot more complicated to get even one of the extenders potentially in. Not impossible, but it does complicate the whole scenario. Okay, so I think well, there's some optimism that they will get to extenders at some point this year. Well, I think we're in agreement that this lame duck late year session with a retroactive date back to January 1 of this year probably seems like the most likely scenario, but there are these other possibilities that are worth watching. Okay, Carol, let me ask you a question extenders cost money, right? We're extending tax cuts, these taxpayer favorable provisions. And at the same time, we spent a lot of time over the last year, two, three, whatever it's been, talking about the tax increases of the Biden tax plan. So you might be wondering if you're listening at home, well, are we going to pay for these? And will we include possibly some of the tax increases in the Biden plan to pay for these extenders? So Carol, what is the history of paying for tax extenders? They usually don't. That's the general history is usually it becomes a bipartisan effort where everybody jumps on board. They want to get this stuff done. There's a lot of talk by some about how we need to figure out which ones are valuable, make things permanent, not have temporary changes in the tax code. But at the end of the day, everybody jumps in together and says, "Okay, we're not going to pay for this. And that's typically the way it's done. But they do keep doing short term efforts. And as we've seen more and more extenders or changes in the tax law keep getting created, notwithstanding the fact that there'll be a lot of statements about how this is not optimal tax policy. But the usual thing is you don't pay for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just very, very little history of paying for extenders. There was a bill a number of years ago that had more than extenders and had a couple of tax increases in there. And you know, some people claim that they were there to pay for the tax extenders. Some people claim they were there to pay for the other things. So maybe once they paid for half of them, you know, but you're right. It's a very thin record of paying for extenders. And I wouldn't expect that they would this year. But Jen, let me ask you a question. First of all, I assume you agree with this idea that they are unlikely to pay for them. I put out there the possibility, could they do these and build back better, which is, of course, a budget reconciliation bill. People often talk about budget reconciliation as, oh, you have to pay for everything you do in budget reconciliation. If that were true, wouldn't they have to pay for them if they did them in there? But I think that's an overstatement of how budget reconciliation works. So just remind us, would they actually have to pay for extenders if they did them in budget reconciliation? Well, no. Politically, maybe right? Because there are some members that want to see the reconciliation bill fully paid for. So if there were any extenders that cost revenue, which these would, arguably there would be a need to pay for them. But remember, the reconciliation instruction for the Build Back Better Act provides up to $1.7 trillion in deficit spending. So the technical answer is no, they don't have to pay for the extenders. But politically, they might. 
And that's why we were really surprised. I was extremely surprised to see that there were any extenders, including 174, in the Build Back Better Act that was passed by the House, because, you know, usually that has to be paid for. And I guess the other thing question is, how long would you extend these expired items for? Because if you did it long enough, you could have a revenue effect outside the 10-year budget window. Then you do have an issue in reconciliation and potentially having a negative revenue effect outside the 10-year budget window, right, Jen? That's exactly right. That's why extenders are usually ill-suited for inclusion in reconciliation bills. Right. Or if you're going to do it, do it for a year or something where you don't have any revenue effect leaking outside the 10-year budget window. Short extension of the extender. But even that costs money. Even that costs money. All right. So my last question to both of you, put you on the spot here. Do you think we're going to deal with extenders this year? What's your take? Do you think they're going to deal with them? And when do you think they'll we'll deal with them? Jen, I'll let you go first. I do think that they will deal with them. I think 174 is going to be that extender that the other extenders hitch a ride on. Everyone is clamoring for it. So I do think that they will do something by the end of the year. But I do think we're looking at a lame duck situation, more likely. I mean, anything can happen. Maybe 174 does make it into an earlier package. But I still think end of the year, a bigger extenders package, bipartisan, not paid for. Right. So we're talking Thanksgiving or later when they would deal with that, which will leave everybody on the edge of their seats waiting to figure out all year if Congress can do it. Okay, Carol, what about you? Do you agree with that or do you have a different take? Completely agree with it. History tells us that's probably how it happens. Yes, we've got these other things in play, the competition bill. We've got the resurrection potentially build back better. And who knows what else that we'll be watching. But I agree with both of you. I think we're looking at a December action with retroactive tax relief for taxpayers back to January 1 of this year, if history is a guide. But hey, things happen. We'll have to see how it goes. Well, guys, thank you very much. That was excellent. And a new topic for us to think about this year, since we've been talking about Build Back Better so much. Just a reminder, there's more in the tax world than just Build Back Better to be keeping an eye on for this year. One last thought for you today. We talked a little bit about the child tax credit. And you may recall, it has been one of the sticking points in getting Build Back Better enacted. We've discussed the objections from Senator Joe Manchin here before. These are objections that are well-documented in the press. His objections, in part, are to what he calls accounting gimmicks. His argument is that the House version of Build Back Better only extends the expanded child tax credit for one year. And he argues that we should be realistic, that extending it for one year probably means Congress will extend it for 10. And, well, based on what we've seen with extenders over the years, history is probably on the senator's side. So you may ask, the senator must then also object to these other tax extenders that Congress does one year at a time, seemingly ad infinitum. Well, this is where it gets a little complicated. The last time we had a mega tax extenders bill, back in December of 2020, part of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, if you're scoring at home, The bill passed the Senate with 92 votes, including with a yes vote from Senator Manchin. So you might be asking yourself, how do we reconcile these two positions that are seemingly at odds? Well, the easiest way is this, to remind you of something that we didn't really talk much about today, and it's this. As important as tax extenders might be to you and to me, they will never be important enough to be a standalone piece of legislation. The extenders will have to hitch a ride on some other urgent legislative vehicle to have a chance of getting done. It has always been this way. And to this point, 
back in December of 2020, extenders were just a small part of an enormous bill, a $2.3 trillion bill that, among other things, had another round of COVID relief attached that was viewed as an urgent measure. So it's a reminder that context matters. Sometimes the circumstances or sometimes other provisions in a bill are so pressing that they can overcome something else a member of Congress might not like. So that brings us back to 2022. What legislative vehicle will extenders ride on this year? We talked about Build Back Better as a possibility. We talked about the China Competition Bill. And both of these are possibilities, although they have their challenges, as we discussed. So if that leaves us with something in December as our most likely option, well, then you ask, are we expecting a big bill in December? Honestly, I don't know. There are so many things that will happen between now and then. It's just unpredictable. But there always seems to be something happening in December, whether it be funding the government, raising the debt limit, some sort of relief bill, COVID, disaster, or other. Something always seems to come up. So in closing, remember this. There is pretty solid bipartisan support for extenders, assuming a vehicle is moving. Or turning the old saying upside down, maybe we say it this way. Where there's a way, there's a will. With that, thanks again for tuning in to Catching Up on Capitol Hill. Please don't forget to submit your questions, your comments, and your suggestions to our inbox. Take care, and I do hope to see you soon.